I was always rebelling a fair bit. Um, Dad walked out when I was very young. Like when you're working in Swanston Street, King Street, St Kilda, I went to two murder trials. I'd have guys get glass some nights, their faces hanging off, and they said, you're, you're now VP. There was a fire at one of my shops. Became a born again Christian, I got baptized when I got out. Like I said, I'm not trying to preach, having some faith, Massive. Young soldier of God, steady march. Yo, it's your boy Dave here, and this is the Fallon Show. Hope all is going well out there. God bless you all. How about you introduce yourself, my bro, and where you're from? Ah, uh, Sultan Banyai. I'm from Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. Man, like I said, bro, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. So the brother Zoltan here. As you can see, man, this is a, a show about redemption and um. Zoltan's no stranger to that you know he's um he's a man that's worn many hats in his life um he was involved in bodybuilding um and actually got quite quite high up there and he is a man that's been involved in the club scene he's unfortunately um ended up in prison by the uh towards the end but it's a place where not only him but a lot of us get to reevaluate our lives and um really see and be appreciative of what we have out here you know, so, um, man, I mean, how long you been out of jail for now? Um, well, it's, I remember, like I was saying to you that we spoke about two years ago, um, and it's been about two years now, but, um, yeah, man, just to try and sometimes, you know, yourself to get your life back on track, having um, a CRM number and getting a job, um, it's not very easy and, and, um, you know, it's the discrimination you tend to get. And that's why, let's face it, bro, you know, with the time you were there as well, how many faces you go, didn't you just leave? And they're back again. You know, when you're desperate, you sometimes people do stupid things to put food on the table. Let's face it, cost of living. Um, I know in the, uh, Australia, it's, it's just getting more and more hard to, to provide the family units breaking down and people are doing, and desperate, man, you know, people are doing stupid, you know, a lot of people are shoplifting and um, even shop, like I shop at Aldi to try and keep the costs down. And, um, you know, even the manager there is saying that older people are shoplifting, like, because they can't afford meat because they have to put on, they can't put on the heater. Just, you know, interest rates going up, petrol going up, you know, utilities going up, you know, foods going up. Where does it end? Look, bro, to start off with, man, I mean, so where, where about say you're from, man, in Melbourne then? Um, I'm in the Dandenong area. So you guys are you from the you're from Dandy? I was originally there, and now I'm on the peninsula. So now I'm on the peninsula area. Did you go school out in Dandy or? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went to the, uh, Dandy Tech first. Then they got shut down. Uh, that was a rough, that was a really rough school, man. Are you Albanian or are you Eastern no, European? I'm, I'm Hungarian. I'm Hungarian. Um, but I grew up in William Avenue, which all the Albanians were there. Yeah, a lot of Albanian boys out there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, a lot of Albanian boys. So, and, um, I was always good with them. Showed, they showed me dignity and respect. And being that you're a bigger guy, 
you know, you get that. And I'll, and I just made sure that you just we just yeah, we were good, man. You know, everyone was good there, and we had our own little thing that we were doing. And yeah, there's just um, you know, there's a lot of gyms, a lot of bodybuilding, and and then there's the fight game, the body, uh, the kickboxing, and the MMA gyms, and all that sort of jazz. So um, yeah, it just and then I was. I don't know. I was always rebelling a fair bit. Um, Dad walked out when I was very young, so I was pretty upset about that. And Mum tried to Mum tried her best, man. But um, I, I think I was always, you know, that's there's that one child that's difficult. <laughs> that was me, bro. And um, yeah, well, just, well, when did the when did you get into training and all of that? Was that early I on? I started or? when I was fourteen, man. I started wow. when I was fourteen because I was. I was bullied and picked on when I was younger. Um, we just sort of, we rolled with the punches and that's why I guess we, that's why I started training. That's why I started doing my bodybuilding and a bit of kickboxing and stuff like that because you sort of, I was a pretty quiet kid and pretty, you know, reserved. I just loved, um, you know, animals and, you know, you're just a kid, you know what I mean? So then you start getting bullied and picked on and, um and then you just go, eventually, I'm not going to take this anymore. So you start, you know, hitting the weights and all that sort of stuff. And I just, I grew pretty quick. I was always athletic. By the age of 18, I already started security. Wow. Um, we had, yeah, 18, I started security back then as well. So was that at the clubs and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, my older brother, he was head of security in a place called Stylus. That night, we had a massive punch on with about 12 sailors from Cerberus. And, yeah, yeah, it was pretty easy, to say the least. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's yeah, the first so, night. Yeah, yeah, thrown in the deep end. That's how it was, man. And you didn't even have to have a license back then. It, you had to – you just got a probationary through the Private Agents Act, and you had to do your course within a year. That was it. Can you sort of uh, paint a picture of, um, you know, the whole bouncing scene? I mean, I've had a few brothers who have been on the show who ended up becoming club members and stuff, but it had sort of the bouncing scene sort of had, you know, sort of opened that world up to them. So can you paint a picture of what the what the bouncing scene is like? Depends on where you work. Um, look, I started up as stylist. That's Furniture Gully then 21st century in Frankston. and But then I ended up being part owners in a security company. Yeah, so um, I can sort of talk. And, you know, being a bigger guy, you've got a presence. Uh, and we, we I started a, a company called Gravity Control with the two other mates of mine who were security guys. And we started in-house and we started off with a couple of strip clubs a couple of venues, and we built it up to about 12 venues. And then eventually I sold it off when I lost my license. But then I started working in the city. That's when it all changes. And it depends on the street in the city that you're working in. Like when you're working in Swanston Street, King Street, St Kilda, and even I ended up working in Chinatown. You know what I mean? I was working for... All I did was sit at the bar with an earpiece on in a suit when the guards couldn't deal. I'm not saying I'm some, you know, whatever, but 
there's certain people who can resolve issues and talk and being a bigger guy, especially with the Asian um, community, they really respect that. So I was working in Chinatown and um, um, you meet a lot of interesting individuals like that. Bro, they're rocking up in Rolls Royces and, and Lambos and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's a next level. And it's like, it's some of it's five-star karaoke, um, believe it or not. Um, they're into their karaoke. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but uh, bro, some of the nights, they will drop 50, 60 grand in a room. So beside this, beside um, you getting into the security and, and bouncing and stuff like that, so beside this, you're doing the bodybuilding consistently as well, isn't it? And you're actually making a name for yourself with the bodybuilding as well. Yeah, look, I, I um, you know, started competing when I was about 20. Um, one, the juniors, like... Absolutely. Well, can you, bro, like, before you go into that, like, mm. how were you at 20? Like, well, what's, what sort of guy were you by that point? So you've been doing security for two years by this point. Like, what, what, what? I was a what... hothead, man. I was a hothead. I was a hothead. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I was a hothead. And I was knocking around with some serious guys as well. I didn't well, realize well, how serious. Sorry to interrupt you, but so, like, to do things like what you were doing, you know, so you started your own security firm and, and, and you're doing, and you're, you know, climbing the ladder in that scene. So, there's you've got to be is there a certain amount of respect required bro to make those moves definitely so definitely. you so you pretty much got to be known as a hothead is it pretty much to start <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? you, you do oh look oh yeah i was trying not to go down that path but yeah you do man look um you do you do you got to do some you got to do some bad things to and to bad things to people and let's face it, you know, with bodybuilding, you're using certain things as well that make you aggressive. And I think it was just because, you know, I was an angry kid because dad walked out and all that sort of stuff as well, man. I was not dealing with a lot of issues and a mm. lot of problems. And and we definitely won't downplay that, bro. I mean, your dad walking out on you. I mean, yeah. bro, one thing that I've found on the show and um, in my own life and, you know, doing counselling and stuff out here, I mean, absent fathers is a huge one for, for our young men and boys out there, you know, not having a, not having a strong male role model. It's, 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 a, it's huge, mate. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. That's why I try and put in so much effort with my daughter. Um, yeah, you're absolutely right, man. I think that made a massive impact on me. Um, I had other male figures come in, but it's not your actual dad. Yeah. You know what I mean? My dad walked out when I was about four years old, bro. So wow. it broke my heart. And I, I've only, I couldn't even really put a day together properly that we've spent together. And the last time I spoke to him, it wasn't that great. Um, and that, yeah, yeah, you are right. <laughs> like, you know, my my best mate and I, we used to just say, just chuck us in the worst place possible. And, <laughs> and there was a few Usos that used to, you know, junior and yeah, you know, I used to always get always get along with Islanders there. Like, it always is a it's a thing. Hey, right. I went to two murder trials. Well, with security. You know, wow. where guys got killed in front of us, so to say. 
Uh, one at Stylus, another one. When I think about it, I was just a kid, mm. 22-year-old kid. And yeah. that was like, you know, that space was a year apart of each other. And I think it desensitised me a little bit as well, mm. if that makes sense. I'd have guys get glass some nights, <clears throat> their faces hanging off, I'd just wrap up in a towel and hold their face together while, you know, the you know the paramedics are coming. Some oh, people, right. some of the other guards just couldn't handle it. I could flick a switch. Not like I say, you know, a lot of guys who you know kids who are, you know people young people ODing and convulsing. Mm. You know they're vomiting and um, the other guards couldn't handle it. So I'll, I could switch. And yeah, you know, I probably saved quite a few lives, but it's part of the job, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so going back a little bit, yeah. So what? So you started um, getting into um, pro- professional bodybuilding? Do you say? Would you say? It or was, at twenty? Or it was still amateur, but I was competing in IFBB, which is the mecca. So what led to that? What what sort of um, led you to do that? The competing. Yeah. Well, I think it was just due to the fact that, I'll be honest with you, man, I didn't even ever think I'd win a Victorian title. You know what I mean? I'm serious. I didn't even think I'd win that. But um, I just trained and I grew and um, just loved it. I mean, I'm still training to today. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm 48, coming up in a couple of weeks. You know what I mean? I'm still doing it and... Um, Obviously not competing. People say, why don't you do another show? But nah, can't be bothered. But it just people talked me into it and I did it and um and I just I just kept winning. <laughs> like all my all my trophies say first place. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know where they are. They're in a box somewhere in the garage, eh? How's I the discipline have- involved in all of that with your eating and, and stuff like that? It has to be an obsession. To be number yeah. one, it's an obsession. And I was obsessed, to say the least. And it, and, it, and you are right, man. It, it opens a notoriety. Um, it, it really does. I think you, you might have seen on my last podcast, you know, Adam King, he was in his 30s and I was a 20-year-old kid and I, and I beat him. And guys, the guys did not. Because um, I did all the juniors, then I did the light heavyweights as well. So I placed top three in the light heavyweights, and I beat um, this guy Adam King. And my brother wow. looked up to him massively, and I was just a twenty-year-old kid. And I think that's when it cemented it to my older brother. All right, the kid's got it. You know, the kid's got some potential. And then he used to always, you know, sort of show me off a bit, which is which was a, a good thing. But um, then I had some time off and. I got into the party scene. It, it sucks you in, unfortunately, when you're in the in the nightclub scene. Um, that that happens. Well, well, what's it like? <laughs> you know, starting to get on the you know get on the roids and start using like that sort of stuff. I mean, how, how did that start for you? My older brother, <laughs> my two older brothers, my two older brothers, because I was going to compete in the naturals. I had yeah, to yeah, you said that. Yeah, you said that. I had to be natty. And then they started, they started, right? And um, they started growing and stuff. And I was just like, oh. But 
I said, oh, I'm going to stay Natty for a while. I, I, but I trained for about six whole years, mm. seven years before I touched anything. So I had a bigger foundation. You know what I mean? Like, you know, well, I mentioned trend. These guys shouldn't even know what trend is. You know what I mean? Um, it's, and that's why I think there's, you know, probably seen there's a lot of young guys dying these days, you know, what yeah. I mean? and they're obviously taking that um, with recreational drugs, mm. um, especially, you know, there's one real evil one out there and we're all touched by a person. I, I mentioned that, if, you know, cancer is touching a lot of people, but you know, ice is, um, you know, next level, man. They're medicine. They're actually medicine for sick people. Yeah. That's what they are. Technically, that's what they are. But bodybuilders use them to surpass their sticking. And you should use them to surpass your sticking points. And when you hit a wall, use that to surpass. Not use it to build a body and have a foundation. Have a foundation first. Then that's when you use it. People go, oh, what mm. the heck? This guy's like, he looks next level. because, And you've got to train harder. Because the what it's doing is helping with protein synthesis. It's helping with, you know, positive nitrogen balance. It's helping with absorbing all your amino acids and nutrients and everything like that. And and it's aiding in that recovery. And obviously you do get stronger. It's a different generation now, man. Like I like I say, you know, China's doing a lot of raw ingredients. People are getting stuff. They don't even know if it's hundred percent what it is. We used to get stuff mainly from doctors and yeah. vets and vets. So yeah. veterinarian still has to have a massive standard. And people don't actually realize the veterinarian stuff is lower dosed than the human stuff. You know what I mean? So you got to take more, but it's, it's, you know, it's in a lab. It's not some dude in his backyard in the bathtub smoking a, smoking a ciggy. Maybe the crack pipe, I don't know. And he's like mixing it up in his in his bathtub. You know what I mean? It's different. It's different. If you're using anabolics, they tend to have to go through the liver. So that's when you get liver damage and stuff like that. Because they're they're not they're not a testosterone based. But like some, let's say I always refer to trend. It's nine times more androgenic than testosterone. It was never passed for human consumption. Never. It was never passed for human consumption. And that's the first thing most guys will use to go to an event, you know, to take their top off to look good. And it passes the blood-brain barrier and it causes scar tissue on the hippocampus, highly, highly hepatoxic for the liver, causes heart damage as well. So how was life for you going through all of this? So you're doing the comps and stuff now. You're also getting into the security. You've started your own security company with friends and stuff like that. Like, how are you during this point? You know what I mean? Like, are you wrapped with life? You know what I mean? You're doing all of this different stuff. I was still a very angry young individual. You know, it's funny, you, you know, I had everything at my fingertips and I still wasn't happy. I was still chasing money, cars, gold, diamonds, all the materialistic stuff. I was still empty inside, man. I was still empty inside. I, ha I always put on a brave face and smiled, 
you know, you can have all the the most nicest materialistic stuff, but it, it doesn't give you inner peace. But um, I'll put on a smile, I'll put on a brave face and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, it's – and, like, you know, the people you start hanging around with, especially um, in the city stuff, because when I started working at Love Machine, that opened up a big can of worms. How old were you uh, when you started there? Hey. How old were you when you started there? Later, later on in life, I, I was married. I sort of had a had a kid. I was married oh, okay. for seventeen years, mm-hmm. and um, we were doing we were kicking goals. We were the power couple, but unfortunately, you know, some things sometimes don't work out. People, we were still kids. Mm-hmm. We were still kids. We were growing up together and all that sort of stuff. And um, um, we have we have an amazing daughter together, and um, she's an amazing human being, man. And um, you know, it keeps me grounded. But um, like one of my good mates passed away. Um, he was like my little brother. My stepfather died. He was more like my dad than my real dad. My marriage fell apart. That's when the heavy drinking depression kicked in, man. And you know, we got divorced, and then I'm caught up with a mate of mine. I've been out of security for so long. And he goes, do you want to come as a doorman at Love Machine? Okay. I started working at Love Machine. And look, for people who don't know Love Machine, it's sort of like, it's very exclusive. It's on Chapel Street. Um, a lot of who's who's there, especially a lot of people who can't get into the clubs in Sydney. You know, the proppers, you know, they'll, they'll rocking up in Rolls Royces and stuff like that. And being the head door selector, everyone sort of wants to know you. And um, and then everyone's giving you handshakes with money and other stuff in it just to get in. And it's just a vicious cycle, man. You know, it's a vicious, and that that place is, you know, it's it's. I can talk about. It. It's been on the news, very well documented on the news. And I left just three months before the the door got shot up. You know what I mean? And um, a few of my good mates died, so that's another another one as well, man. You know what I mean? I said to them when I was leaving, just be careful. You know, it's it's a bit dicey here at the moment. Just be careful. And I remember I spoke to one guy. You know, he's a good bloke, man. He didn't didn't deserve to. You know, he didn't deserve to get killed, man. They shot him right in the face. You know what I mean? Wow. Yeah. So I went to the funeral and everything, and um, yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 hard, man. It's hard. Yeah, and uh, sure. you know the counselling is <laughs> just getting wasted in some penthouse apartment with the boys. Again, you know, what I mean? not dealing with stuff. Mm. They're just yeah. being angry again, um, suppressing your emotions, numbing yourself out, numbing yourself out, not dealing yeah. with it. 
Well, I mean, uh, you've just you've just, just described the majority of the prison population, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's just a, it's just a bunch of guys who haven't dealt with those inner traumas. You know what I mean? They haven't yeah. healed. You know what I mean? Because there's no way you're gonna speak about it. I ended up in a in a club as a one percenter. Um, that was some wild times. You know, there's some of the boys I absolutely miss, but they put me on NA for two years. You know what I mean? Okay. Can, can you can, can you speak on at all about um you know how you got involved in that world at all? I was just partying with them to start off because they used to get VIP boobs. They used to get VIP boobs, and we just clicked. We just clicked, man. And then I started going there, and yes and no. I always been around guys who were involved, but we had our own crew, and we. You know, we did our thing and stuff like that, but yes and no. I was always around guys that, but I never, never did. You know what I mean? But mm. I think when I was at my lowest of, my little brothers died, my dad's died, my marriage fell apart. I was like, F the world and everyone in it. And that's when, you know, you're just there partying and, um, and I was offered something. And I said, all right. And then within a couple of months, um, the boys were acting weird. So being set up, or they were whispering and looking at me. I was like, what's going on? And then they, and they said, oh, we've all voted. You know, I don't think I'm getting booed. I do it. And they said, you're, you're now VP. I was like, what the, like, when did this happen? And uh, they, they just go, it is. And I was like, anyway, so, yeah. Wow. So, I mean, I but that, that really. Oh, don't worry, I was saying wow as well. I was like, what the? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hang on a minute. I was just wanting to sit on the bench. I wanted to be a bench warmer. I didn't ask for this, but what are you going to do? You know what I mean? I mean, so you, you've, you've gone into that scene. You've become vice president. I mean. How long from that moment till the day you got to the map? How how long was how, how long was that? How long how long of a period was that? About two years. Two years. Um, about two years, and then you you pop, if you Google my name, something happened. Um, um, there was a fire at one of my shops. <clears throat> they dramatise it like the media always does. You know, obviously Echo raided the place <laughs> and they found a lot of stuff, um, yeah, which incriminated me. And um, they raided my house as well. When they used to raid the clubhouse, I had to go down there and open it. They go, well, they ring you. And, I, and they said, oh, you got 20 minutes to be here. I said, the clubhouse is 35 minutes away. They go, yeah, you've got your AMG. Hurry the fuck, hurry up. You know what I mean? I'm like, because they're going to smash the doors in and all that sort of stuff and wreck the joint. So I, I'd make a record time to get down there. And um, so, so what ended up happening, I think, in that news article was so they, you know, they say that it was a firebombing at one of your shops or attempted anyway, attempted firebombing. Yeah, attempted, yeah. And so, and then, and then you the place and all that sort of stuff, and they found a lot of stuff. 
weapons and other other paraphernalia and everything like that. And um, I think due to the fact of my affiliation and um, my rank, they made an example of me. So how was it for you, man, getting taken in the dirty world? They take you back to St Kilda, or no, no, first uh, Frankston. Uh, first bringer, and then um, then the sub, the submarine oh, yeah. straight to the Magis are. Yeah, submarines. That's that's when you know that it's getting serious. You know what I mean? And the I old think three cushions in a blanket. One. Hey, the old three cushions in a blanket. Exactly. Yeah, you you're trying to carry these three cushions in a blanket, <laughs> and you're just like, and it was freezing it was melbourne freezing and i was like and i was lucky enough i i got into the cell by myself because i said i i'm not having anyone in the cell with me um i said i need to be in my myself and um yeah and then when i was at the map i reckon there was this one guy i swear he was an undercover cop trying to talk to me mm-hmm. yeah he was trying to get information yeah bro yeah Yep, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen, bro, I've seen that many boys get done just in the sub because they were talking to some bloke that they didn't know that was asking them questions, and he ended up being an undercover, bro. It's like yeah, standard. Yeah, yeah. I, I answered nothing, stuck to myself. You know yeah. how everyone in the map looks a bit. <laughs> yeah, they're coming down, Rattle, mate. Man. Yeah. Half of them are there for AVOs, um, drunken disorderly, or <laughs> exactly, or, um, or what's it called, um, drink driving and mm. stuff like that. And the breach of AVOs is huge in Melbourne, man. There's that many guys that come through for it. You know what I mean? Just the, mate, just for a text message, they'll throw them in jail. Yeah, it is. It's over a text, man. And then they these guys get baited into her, and then they and then they go, oh, here you go, this is what he's done, and then see you later. You're in for three to six months. Yeah, it's and, all money. You know, it's all money for corrections, right? It's all money for those private security firms. Don't don't. It's on. It's on the private. It's a private entity, and it's on yeah. the stock exchange. Yeah, you I know. know I, bro. Did the green, I did the green collar program. You know. I did the green collar program because I, I did Cert three community services because I want to give back to the community wow. and change my ways during COVID. Um, I studied. I studied. I had all the, you know, a lot of people really. I I got out, man. I saw the alcohol and drugs got worse during the lockdown mm. in Melbourne. Um, the depression and the anxiety. So I said, man, I can't slip into this, man. I I I came out so much tougher. Mm. You know, I was training. I, I dropped twenty kilos in there. Mm. Um, well, we, but before we go into you getting out, so I mean, yeah, how was your time inside, man? And and you know, waiting to go to court. And I mean, how long did you think you were going to be sitting in there before that? I didn't think I was going to do. I didn't think I was going to do a year. Um. That's all three months max. Um, it's obviously because of, you know, what I was. Because remember I told you I was inside with Peter. Yeah. Mate, he was, he is such a super intelligent guy. He helped me so much, Peter Allen. 
Yeah, uh, very well-known name in the Melbourne system. Yeah. Been around for donkey's years, hasn't it? Been in the scene, yeah. right? Yeah, he's, he, he's studied to be a QC. I wow. said to him, I go, Peter, you are such an articulate guy. He wrote a letter to me to IBAC. Yeah. Well, you meet a lot of good blokes in there, isn't oh, it? Bro, you know like, what I mean? I mean, my time in prison, my time in prison made me realize there are no bad blokes, mate. There's blokes that have done bad things. Don't get me wrong, you know what I mean? But exactly. man, you know, if you're on the same page or for mate, you know, you get along like a house on fire. There's some super intelligent guys in there, but sometimes they're like Lex Luthor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I, I learned how to make yogurt in there. This yeah, me too. taught me how to make yogurt. Yeah, and the milk and starter. So I used to make a yogurt, a yogurt and we used to drink the whey. It was putrid. Yeah. It's putrid. Oh, that right. oh my God. <laughs> It, it's that will get you going anyway. Yeah. And then we, hey, let me explain that. Hey, let me explain that. So in jail, <laughs> in jail, you can make you can make yogurt in there and that. But what people do is as you as you make the yogurt, you've got to squeeze out the the juice, you know. And and is it because people call it whey and stuff, and we drink well, it's curds and whey. So it actually it's whey yeah. protein concentrate, but yeah. it's curds and whey when you separate it. Just the simple little things, and I think we mentioned about the well, bro, when when I was there, man, the nicotine put, patches. Oh, the nicotine patches, tobacco. <laughs> that's that's the first thing you'll get hit up once you get off that bus, mate. Is uh, all your patch? Because they go to me, like one guy goes to me like that, and I went, "Okay, no, man, I'm not on the hammer." Because <laughs> I thought he was doing that, and he goes, "No, no, no, the patch, the patch." Said what? I said, Patch, I go, nah, nah. I should have grabbed it. I didn't realize. But anyway, yeah. you know what I mean? And then when they locked us down, like even I think I mentioned to you during COVID, the full hazmat suits and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, some of the guys who weren't really struggling with their mental health, um, at least 20, 30 guys in every unit tried to commit suicide. Um, you know those plastic chairs you got in front of your computer? They were smashing that to pieces to get shards of plastic to cut their wrists. I've never seen, like, sows turned up like that. Um, the yelling and screaming, because they let us out every, every three days for five minutes. So this is during the cut. So this is during COVID and stuff. So you were locked up. During that time, wasn't it? So you're well, only getting they out. They just through... straight away. Two weeks, two weeks in the pokey, basically, and you've done nothing wrong. But the first time you ever been inside, and it's like, man, at least let us out one hour a day. Like it's the Geneva Convention even says that. They, the guys were turning one, and you know, like I, I think I mentioned to you, the the cereal in those plastic bags, like the green grocer ones. You get three wheat bigs and your 600 ml milk, or if you want cornflakes, it's cornflakes. The guys were suffocating themselves with the plastic bag to get out. That's how bad it was, and it's going to be in my tell-all book. I'm not trying to preach to anyone, but I hadn't prayed in 30 years, and um, for the first time, man, at your darkest times, sometimes... Like, I remember, bro, you know, you, when you said to 
Um, the what's his name, Vincent Vince from um, Yeah, what a story, bro! It broke my. Mm. I'll be honest with you, I was in tears when mm. I watched it, man. Word, that's man enough to admit that. Mm. You got to be heartless to not. Yeah, mm. but like when you said, I, I really reflected. You know, when you said to him that sometimes you have to be broken to to be put back together and and really see what what makes you tick and what makes you happy and mm, you know yeah, when you're going yeah. from a Louis Vuitton bag to a plastic garbage bag then yeah. you get a reality check and what's what's it worth what's it worth you know what I mean um and you know I read the Quran when I was in there I was with a lot of the Muslim brothers um but Jesus was always in my life ever since I was a young kid um and, and they even recognize him as a prophet Hmm. Uh, I became a born again Christian. I got baptized when I got out. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Man, when I got the speech I gave at the church, man, it, it went viral. Uh, and my little girl was there. She was, oh. she got to see it, you know. Oh. And a um, you know, lot of the, even the, in our area, um, there's a lot of kids that are out of control, man, hmm. to say yeah. the least. And it seems like the girls are getting worse than the guys. Yeah, bro. Yeah, true. They've been yeah, actually more ruthless than the boys. But that the goes girls like, are more like, staunch now than the yeah, guys. Yeah, because they're, because they're, def- they're feminizing men, mate. You know what I mean? Society. And they and and yeah, you know, bro. <laughs> you know the PSI of a handshake of a, of a boy now is less than a girl. You go to the gym... Word, I'm serious. Oh I'm serious. So dr- during your time in prison, like you said, you know, you were still club affiliated. You're looking yeah. after the boys. You know, you're getting around with a lot of heavies in there. Um, I mean, when when did when did the your mentality change where you were starting to think, well, hey, maybe this isn't what I want? Was that as soon as you got to prison, or was that over uh, time? Or no, at the tail end. Almost at the tail end. I was when I was in at the start when I got bail denied three times and um I spent like eight eight grand per bail app to get out for my daughter's birthday, Father's Day and stuff like that. And they gave me hope, gave them another eight, nine grand, and it was come back in two weeks, bail denied, bail denied. I went for I went in a real dark space, man. I'll be honest with you. I'm not proud to say I, I, I put a lot of guys in made and buzz up. I'll be honest with you. I was I was not in a good place, man. I'm, a, I'm you know, disappointed in myself. But it were guys who were bullying, picking on other people who couldn't defend themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a lot of, you know, and I was just, I got into an angry state, man. I got into an angry state and it was because I was, I, I didn't. I hadn't seen my daughter in a year, man, and that killed me. Mm. I didn't even. I didn't want a photo of her and stuff in there. And um, I spoke to her on the phone every day, but um, you can just hear them listening to you. Mm. Um, you know how it is, man, and it's mm. it's heartbreaking. I was a stay-at-home dad for four years when I went back to study when I was. Mm. You know what I mean? So I used to do school runs, pickups, and all that sort of stuff, and um, with her, and um, that's why we got an amazing bond. 
Um, and, um, you know, I was, I was doing personal training from home. I was, I was training a lot of people with weights and then I was doing a lot of mixed martial arts at that time. I stopped all the bodybuilding and I trained mixed martial arts for about six years and a lot of grappling and jiu-jitsu and I trained with Leo Ovenback, who's Israeli special forces because I thought mm-hmm. if I'm going to try, if I'm doing, um, bodyguarding in Chinatown, I need to know if someone pulls a knife on me because I've been stabbed before. It's not nice. Yeah. I ended up in hospital and um, just missed my liver and I was in an MRI machine and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's not a nice not, not a nice feeling being stabbed, man. It's a very vulnerable state. We need time to reflect and, and assess where we're at. Mm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, I... I won't mention the name, but uh, that, that, that very good friend of mine inside, um, he died three times. Wow. Um, well, I'll be honest with you, he, he, he'd been shot 10 times and he lived, but he died three times. And um, he told me the full story and he said there's something after this. He's seen it. You know what I mean? And he goes, when it's when you want to give up, you you will. And it's, you know, uh, that made me like. Oh, that's powerful. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And like, it's it's massively powerful that there is something after this. And some people might disagree, but how can you argue with a guy who's, you know, he died three times and um, they revived him? Well, you know, not everyone does. And um, I think. Like I say, I'm not trying to preach. Having some faith, massive, massively, can you know release that burden off your shoulders. And bro, how was it getting a getting out of uh, prison on the straight and narrow, man, and sort of leaving your previous life behind? How was that for you? It was hard because obviously I was on NA. Um, if I bumped into anyone, I'd go straight back in. And do my full full whack, and then they would have given me the other thing as well, mm-hmm. which Peter reckons I could have done. I don't know about four to six on that as well. Um, I'm, I'm I've set my own business up again. I've got my own ABN number. I'm on the tools. I'm only making eighteen hundred bucks a week, not you know five G a day. <laughs> but I don't have to worry. Someone's going to kick the door in. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, and when you were inside and you learn how to ration, sometimes, mm. man, I still am doing some of the stuff <laughs> inside. It's cool, say. <laughs> well, I mean, man, after getting out of prison and stuff, how was it getting baptized, man? How was that experience for you? That was surreal. That was surreal. Mm. Always wanted to do it, but then I sort of just went down a stupid path. Um, And then um, now, you know, I was doing, you know, counselling. Unfortunately, it was my mental health was suffering a bit, but I'd still work, you know, doing some food, um, food van kitchens and stuff like that. You know, Mm -hmm. um, know, you've got the, you know, the cars, the the money, the, the, the jewelry, the this and that. And, um, 
I think that it's such a good thing, but I would have given anything to have the peace in a peace I have now. I was suffering such bad anxiety then. Um, you know, I was on a lot of Xanax and stuff like that as well. I don't need that stuff anymore. Because wow. I got inner peace. And I would have given any of that to have the peace I have now. You know what I mean? And like you said, bro, sometimes you gotta just break down to to reset and you know, it's I really reflected to that, you know, it's it it's it was watching you guys talk as well it was you know, it just reinforced what I'm trying to do and what we're trying to do and what we're trying to preach, you know what I mean? Not yeah. well, preach, but you know, if you if you can help one young guy who thinks it's great, yeah. um Learn from us, man. Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> yeah, 100%, <laughs> man. Is there saying, man, like uh, a stupid person doesn't learn from his mistakes? An average person learns from his mis- mistakes, but a smart man learns from other people's mistakes. You know, so that's the best way, you know. But look, man, Brother Zoltan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, bro. We're sort of coming to towards the end here. Yeah. I mean, bro, look, do you have any advice, man, for any brothers and sisters that are getting out of jail, man, or are sitting on the fence of they don't know what they want to do and things, man? Do you got any messages or anything like that? One day at a time. One day at a time. Bro, one day at a time. And because when... When I was doing what I was doing, I was always trying to get more and more and more, and that created that anxiety and putting yourself under too much pressure. We're going enough pressure from everyday life across the living, you know, the family unit being destroyed and all that sort of stuff. Just slow down, breathe, do some meditation. And even if, you, if you're if finding it hard to get a job, do some studying. And use your brain. That's why when I got out of COVID, everyone was just drinking and smoking and just losing their mind. I did a little bit of that as well to release the pressure cooker. But do some study. Better yourself. Use the brain. It's like a muscle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Don't let them put you in the, your mind into a prison as well. You know what I mean? And it makes you feel good about yourself. It's that reward system. And you just, no one can ever take that away from you. You know, once you've got a couple of diplomas and stuff like that, um, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. It is what it is. But no one can, and it, it make you feel proud about yourself, man. And um, when you've got that, that endorphins going, you're less likely to do irrational, stupid behavior because let's face it, especially as, I hate to say, as men, we need that. We're being told not to be a man <laughs> as enough. You know, I go hunting, I go fishing. I, mm. I, I, you know, I, I just went to the snow recently. I went four wheel driving in my fully tricked out Land Cruiser, mm. and I just go in the bush and and I and I hunt. I go boat hunting. Yeah, um, man, that's awesome. Yep, yeah, for sure. I love my fishing. I love my yeah. spear fishing. Yeah, and just being a man. You know what I mean? Mm. And it's like. I love to come to NZ, bro. You guys, bro, you're like, y- yeah, no, nah, bro. We'll go right. hunting here, mate. We'll yeah. do some pig really? hunting, mate. If you ever come here, yeah, no, nah, for sure, bro. Yeah, oh, nah. I would, yeah, 
And mm. I love my Manuka honey, bro. Word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How good is it? Yeah. I've got some for my sore throat. It cleans it up big time. Oh, yeah. Honey's the best disinfectant, yeah. better than anything you'll yeah. buy in the pharmacy. Yeah, oh. no, for sure. Forget about it. That's just, it makes it worse. Yeah. Well, look, that's another bro. podcast, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, look, I've actually really enjoyed this interview, man. It's 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 been awesome having you on, man. And um, bro, like you just said, um, day take a day at a time. You know, take it take it a day at a time. I mean, um, man, I've I've tripped a few times. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong in this journey, but I just. You know, you got to learn to take it easy on yourself. You know what I mean? And and sometimes you got to look at your life and and really evaluate where you've come from to see how far you've gotten. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're going to trip up, mate. You know what I mean? But it's nothing, to, you know, it's nothing to condemn yourself over or anything like that. You know what I mean? Just pick yourself up, dust yourself off and keep going. You know? One day at a time, man. One day at yeah. a time. Like, even like just recently, like I said, with the green collar program, it didn't work out. I went through a bit of a depression stage and I've started feeling sorry for myself. And mm. we're only human, man. It doesn't yeah. matter how big you are and you were this, you were that. And then uh, we all got hearts. We all got, you know, sensitive minds. And the inner child comes out again because it's, you're being let down. But mm. don't let, you know, don't let that break you. Just once, you know, and just get out of even just a little thing every mm. day makes such yeah. a difference and um and you know you know people's mental health we got enough dramas yeah. on our plate these days let alone you know complicating things even more well look yeah. man again man it's been a pleasure to have you on the show brother and um man we'll talk soon my bro on you mate on your brother <laughs>